The Athletic. The Athletic Women's Football Podcast is proudly partnered with Now. With a Now Sports membership, you can watch the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live. Find out more at nowtv.com. Hello and welcome to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast in partnership with Now. Coming up, the Foxes out of their hole, Naz buzzing at the hive, and high fives all round for Man United. It's Kate Borsay here with Lindsay Hooper and we're joined by Aston Villa defender Anita Asante. Anita, welcome to the show. Really good to have you join us. Great to be on the show. Hi, everyone. No football now for a few weeks. We're sort of halfway through the season. Are you excited for Christmas and what the new year will bring? Yeah, no, it's it's nice to just, you know, end the season, go into Christmas around family and friends. Everyone's had a really difficult year. You know, we've been lucky. I feel privileged that I've been able to play football throughout the pandemic. Um, and hopefully we can all just press that reset button and go again after the Christmas break. You are a seasoned pro when it comes to WSL. So we've got the right person here to say, when you're looking at the half point of the season, Anita, how much can you gauge right now as we look at the table and where everyone's sat and how everyone's been doing? How much should we read into that first half? Yeah, I think it's been an exciting first half, I think, for the neutral and anyone watching our league. There's been lots of movement, you know, between teams, just, you know, one or two games and that shift happens. But you can't read the season uh, too soon, in my opinion, because the new year, again, the January transfer window opens up. Teams might start to reinforce themselves and, and, and change and adapt a bit more. Players start to return from injuries and things like that for certain clubs that have been struggling in terms of picking up points. So again, that shift can happen and it's all about momentum. So for me that, you know, again, into the new year, a lot can happen. Mm. And I feel like there's a lot still to be decided. It isn't like there's any runaway leaders. There's still a battle when it comes to relegation. So we've got a lot to look forward to. We are going to have a look at Aston Villa's game, your club, of course, against Manchester United in a little bit. But first, we're going to pick out our moments of the WSL with now. Moments of the Women's Super League with now. Watch the big moments from the WSL live with a now sports membership. Half the weekend's matches were postponed because of COVID, the Christmas Grinch. Uh, but we've still got three games to choose from for our moment of the WSL with now. Lindsay, what have you gone for? Oh, you know what? I was really torn between a few options this time, even though there were fewer games. But I have decided to go with Ella Toon and her performance. I think she's had such a fantastic season. And then to get to two goals for Manchester United, I'm sorry about this, Anita, but I'm going to have to go for her um, off the back of this weekend. And six goals now, her tally for the season. She's just had a phenomenal year. Well, I'm going to go Sophie Howard's goal for Leicester in this six-pointer. Such an important game, this one, Leicester versus Birmingham. It's the defender's first goal of the season. And what a time to score as well, getting her team off on the right track. It was a strike from the left of the penalty area. Quite a tight angle, a really good goal as well. Really important for Leicester and good to see as well. So, yeah, Sophie Howard's goal for Leicester in that 2-0 win against Birmingham. What about you, Anita, if you were to choose a moment from the weekend? Yeah, well, I, I could have gone for Man United, but, you know, it's against my club and it's a difficult one to take. <laughs> no, so, that. A 
lot of goals you I could have done that. pelters by your teammates yeah. if you'd have done that. Exactly. So let's, that. So let's save you that, shall we? So, um, so I actually, I went with um, Jessica Naz's goal for Tottenham yeah, against Everton yeah. because it was just a phenomenal goal. The way she just dropped a shoulder, dragged the ball across and whipped a, a lovely shot with a left foot, you know, the way it went up and dipped down was, it was just beautiful. And I think in a tight, close game like that, 1-0, you know, Tottenham are doing really well at the top of the table. So it was really important for them to keep that momentum. I feel like we might have covered everything here because of the restricted matches that we had over the weekend. <laughs> but we like to offer it out, Anita. We're very generous. So we're going to say to the audience that if you want to let us know yours as well, and if it's something different to anything that we've picked, you can head to at The Athletic UK and at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and let us know your thoughts. If you disagree, if you agree. But we're going to get stuck into the action, the action that took place next. With a Now Sports membership, you can watch all the live Sky Sports action from the Women's Super League. Watch it all for $9.99 with a Now Sports Day membership. Well, COVID is ruining everyone's plans and the WSL couldn't escape it either. Arsenal against Brighton, Manchester City against Reading and Chelsea versus West Ham all postponed because of positive COVID cases. A bad week for Chelsea then, who were also knocked out of the Champions League. We'll talk more about that later. One WSL game that wasn't cancelled was the big relegation battle between Leicester City and Birmingham City. Yeah, huge game at the bottom of the table this one. Leicester City 2, Birmingham City 0. And wow, Leicester City may have just resurrected their season with this one. They're finally off the bottom of the table. The Foxes scored their first points of the season thanks to a one-touch long-range strike out of nowhere from Sophie Howard. That was Kate's pick, her moment of the WSL with now. Uh, Followed as well by another goal, a powerful header from Sam Tierney, uh, which sealed the 2-0 win in that Midlands derby. And Birmingham now, as a result, bottom on one point. First of all, Anita... We build it as a six-pointer. There was a lot of eyes on this match. Was it a six-pointer in your mind as well? Is this where we should be taking the guidance as to who might go down at the end of the season? Yeah, absolutely. I, I saw it that way too, because, you know, these are the teams that were in and around each other. And it was really important that they picked up points off each other to also gauge for themselves how they can compete with those clubs. So, you know, like you said, I think Leicester... In all fairness to them, in my perspective, could could be in a better position than they are. If you look at performances, I think they're a, a very decent side. I think they have good, you know, especially a very strong attack and they haven't necessarily got the results and a bit of luck that you need in some of these matches. So I think there's a lot more potential for them to survive the drop, in my opinion. Lydia Bedford could be the change, of course. I think she managed to outmanage Darren Carter in the battle of the new interim managers for this one. <laughs> I like the way that she got the team to use the width. I thought that that was quite refreshing. What else did you see in terms of something different from Leicester? It's early days. Would it be anything technical or is it more kind of about a cultural change, confidence and just instilling a winning way? Yeah, 100%. I think Lydia is well-versed in working with teams and young players. And I think she will be trying to cultivate that culture of belief within that side. But I think they, they seem more organised as well, you know, both in attack and defence. So a bit more structure, a bit more of her, 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 her style coming across. And I think now it's about harnessing that kind of the, the talents, like the Sigworth and, you know, the forward players that they have to, to, to just click. And now, you know, winning a game can do that sometimes. It naturally, a performance that leads to a win can, can sort of um, spearhead that momentum. 
There has definitely been an issue of getting the most out of the good personnel that Leicester recruited and the good players in their team already. Molly Pike, we need to give her a mention, assisted both of the goals. She did a really good job actually in setting up that Sophie Howard goal, uh, getting the ball down the pitch past three Birmingham defenders, I think, and into a position where Sophie Howard could score from it. And then Molly Pike was involved again in Sam Tierney's goal too. Jess Sigsworth had a couple of opportunities. She was a great signing, wasn't she, Anita, from Manchester United? But you could argue that she's not fully found her form yet. She had a couple of chances in this. And I think if Leicester are to stay up, Jesse Parker Humphreys makes this point in their five things in the WSL piece up on the Offside Rule podcast website. Sigsworth really needs to find her form. Yeah, I think she's an important player. She's a great recruit for the side, having been at Man United, a team that was used to winning, you know, big games. So she can bring that aspect to to Leicester. That's always the issue, you know, for forwards. They want to score goals. Everyone expects them to. But I think she also, she's able to contribute in, in other ways, you know, assists and getting her team into the creation phase that hopefully naturally will will happen for her. But they just needed to get off, I think, to a winning, a winning you know, a winning game to just build yeah, confidence, confidence isn't it? Yeah. and once that confidence comes and you score that one goal then hopefully it all comes together it's just a matter of time and we've got to remember they're a new side playing together mm. um, it takes time they're not a seasoned side that's played for two or three years either I think Sigsworth as well will take a lot of encouragement from this match because up until that point, she's been very isolated. And as a striker and as an attacking player, what you want is you want to know that you've got numbers around you, don't you? And she hasn't had that in previous games. She hasn't had people to play the ball off, work into position. She's been a bit of a lone figure and I I felt a bit sorry for her. So I think if they go in that direction, we could see more of her as the season goes on. On to Birmingham then. and. You know, this is a sticky position for them to be in. They had got that point. So arguably, you know, if it does go to the reverse fixture in this one between the two, they've got an extra point on the board. Is that what they're going to be clinging on to? Yeah, I mean, they will be definitely clinging on to that. But I think they'll be disappointed to have dropped points in this fixture, especially knowing the, the staff behind them, you know, having Marcus Big not join that team, he's very hard on being robust and defensive and making it difficult for the opposition. And the, in the manner of the goal, one of the goals they conceded, the second one, the header, you know, cross into the box, you know, that's something that they can nullify and, and mm. work on. So I think if they can improve in those sort of levelers, those areas of set pieces and and crossing situations and things in the box, then they have a chance, you know, but being solid defensively, as I found with my team last season, can help you get those points that you need to survive. So Mm. especially if you don't have the goals, you know, flourishing, you're not creating a lot, that's the area in which they have to really be solid in. So that's going to be important for them in the next fixture. Do we need to have a harsh word about Birmingham as a club still? And I know that this has been a conversation that's been going on for the last couple of seasons, but we're often reminded that they've been in WSL since 2011. But I think the thing that's quite criminal is that if you if you plot that length of time that they've been in the top flight they're actually on a downward trajectory, right? Because they used to be a team that were up there fighting for the title, 
certainly get into the latter stages of cup competitions. And now with all their might, they're trying to scramble around to stay in the league. And then you've got other teams that are investing and other clubs that are investing in new squads that are coming in, like Leicester, the opposition for this match, who will start at the bottom, but you feel that their trajectory is one way. They're going to improve. They're going to try and get better. Is is that disappointing when you see the history of the league? And, you know, you've played Birmingham so many times. They are a team now, aren't they? That aren't the shadow of their former selves. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think it's disappointing for the women's game as a whole because, like you say, they have a, a long history at this level. They've developed some unbelievable talents that I've had the privilege to play alongside the Karen Carnies, the Ennio Lucos, you know, and to see that the club hasn't backed this club, you know, the team from that time up until now is shown that it's just going to reduce the opportunities for the young girls as well coming through those clubs to, to, to sort of progress and see the top level of the women's game. Um, and it's just kind of like the foundations seem rocky, you know, and until mm. they get the foundations right and everything around that, they'll always be in this kind of reactive position. Where they're just trying to plug holes and, you know, get a coach in here and try and sign players at the last minute and all, the, all of yeah, these Yeah, it's things. kind of sticking plaster approach, isn't it? I just wonder whether a bit like, you know, Everton happened to Everton. Maybe they need to fall out of the league to kind of reassess to then to then really make a push to come back in it and then stay in it. I just wonder if there's something needed there. It certainly feels to me like it's not all rosy behind the scenes yet at Birmingham. One to keep an eye on that one. Well, Birmingham play Arsenal next in the new year. As for Leicester City, they will be playing Reading. So some important fixtures on the horizon for the Foxes as well, because that could dictate where they go. Onwards to Tottenham against Everton. Yeah, we mentioned this was the battle of the new managers. Well, there's another fairly new manager in the league this season, Jean-Luc Vasseur, and his side struggled at the weekend. So Everton losing 1-0 away to Spurs. A top corner finish from Jessica Naz just after halftime put Cole in Everton's stockings, uh, but gave the home team the best Christmas present they could wish for as they finished third going into the holidays. So here we are, this battle for third place, a really interesting one, Anita. Manchester United certainly making their case for it. But we go into this break with Tottenham in third. Surprise for you, that one? Yeah, I mean, if you had asked me at the start of the season with Tottenham being third, I don't think I would have said yes. But judging by their performances and the influence that Rianne Skinner has had in a short space of time, you know, they, they fully deserve the position they're in because they are a very robust team. They seem very organised. The, the connections, you can feel it. I, you know, we played against them and you could feel that they had those connections all around the pitch. And you've got experienced leaders, you know, leading the charge in like Rachel Williams as well, who is a brilliant hold-up player. So they have lots of options in terms of the way they can play and the way they want to play. You know, Jessica Naz is coming into good form as well for the side. And unfortunately, losing Kit, you know, was uh, Kit Graham was um, kind of a bit of a, a blow to the side because I think she's been playing very, very well. But yeah, I think they've they've learned a lot in the past season, playing against Arsenal at home and losing, you know, to them quite heavily. I think they, they're the sort of team that have just learned to to adjust and improve themselves along the way there's a collectiveness to Spurs Anita that I've observed that 
when they are defending, they collectively defend. And when they're pressing, they collectively press. It's such a simple thing that you think on paper, but it is something that I think Rianne Skinner has managed to just get into this team and instill in them. Is that an easier thing for her to do when there's a team that hasn't got a standout player as it was. So there aren't huge, huge names in this team, are there? I, I feel like we've passed the baton around a few times when we've talked about them. You mentioned Kit Graham, who they're missing. I think at times we've praised Ashley Neville. We've praised the goalkeeper. when Rachel Bethel Williams Spencer was doing well. there. Yeah. Rachel Williams. But it doesn't feel, does it, like there is a, a star a glittering as stardust within this team that, that has to be kept, if we're talking egos, has to be stroked. Is, is that a huge part of it? Yeah, I think, like you said, they seem like a very organised, tight-knit group that are working hard for each other in and out of possession. And that is coming from the coach because she's come in with a clear plan, a clear idea on how to utilise this this team. And the team also recognising that they need each other to to perform. You know, and like you said, by not having star players, sometimes that that can work in your benefit because everyone knows that if they play at their maximal potential, they'll get the outcomes. Mm. Mm. It is interesting. I do, I do feel like for a, a team in third, I sort of want a couple of star players. I want a couple of people performing a, a little bit of magic on the pitch, and I wonder if Jessica Naz is the player to do that. I think I think it's the second goal of the season, but I love the way she uses her height, Anita, and as you mentioned earlier on the pod, that kind of drop shoulder, that little deft turnaround, you, you know, just just wonderfully done. And she's clearly a talent. Rianne Skinner said something interesting at the end of the game. She said she felt they were pushing too much in the first half and said that her side had to be more patient and disciplined. And that's what she's been instilling in them, she said, all season. So I do respect that. And I think, you know, playing that playing that patient game is a big credit to, to Spurs and the link-up play between the players. But I almost feel like for a team in third to stay in third, they're going to either need to be really, really consistent every game or they're, they're going to need a little spark from somewhere. Perhaps that's just the entertainer in me needing a bit of pizzazz on the pitch. I don't know. <laughs> well, everyone loves Stardust, don't they? But I think ultimately the, the work they're putting in at the training ground to instill that discipline, that, that you know, being resolute, understanding the connections with the team. Mm. If they know how to create as a team, that won't matter. Because they're narrow wins, aren't they, for Spurs? We're not seeing high scorelines at all from them, are we? No, no, we're not at all. But at the same time, that's all it takes at this level. It's fine margins as well. And it's not going to be all the sides that get three or four goals every week. But can you be clinical in the moments that you get? You know, and, and Tottenham have shown that in some of the moments in the games they've had this season, they've been able to do that, which is a great quality to hold your nerve in these games where you need to, to get gain a result. But you never know, come January, they might be looking for that stardust, you know, to just add some of that individual brilliance, as you say, that gets teams into the top one and two that we're used to seeing, the likes of Chelsea and Arsenal. On the contrary, Anita, with, with Everton, we have got a team where Jean-Luc Vasseur's inherited some stardust. We know what Tony Duggan's done in the past. Valerie Govan, Izzy Christensen, who had to limp off in this one. You know, there's a splattering of some great names within that team. What do you think come the end of the season? Will Everton be higher than Spurs? Like if you take these two, because they're down in ninth now. Do you think that they could have a late charge? Personally, I don't think so, actually. I think... Um... 
it seems as though it's taking a, a bit more time for them to connect and maybe understand what Vasil wants from them in terms of his own philosophy and his playing style. And for me, like like I've mentioned before, it's all very well having top you know class players that bring a little pizzazz to your team but it's getting them to play together and getting that one team understanding and think that's going to matter at the end of the day that's what Tottenham have been able to do get that one team identity mm. where everyone's pulling together in the same direction do or die on the line defensively but an attack you know are finding the moments to, to be clinical Everton seem a bit disjointed if, if you're asking me, watching them. So I saw them earlier in the season against Chelsea and, you know, under a different coach by, by all means, but they didn't seem that they had confidence. They didn't seem that they knew what, how to create and we're sort of seeing the same thing now, a, a reliance on individual brilliance, you know. They are frustrating to watch, aren't they, Everton, I think. I mean, the side were without Kenza Dali, Nicolene Sorensen, Valerie Govan, all were absent for this. We know that Tony Duggan had a couple of good opportunities and she certainly seems to be finding some form, which is good news. But if you take a look at the comparison between managers, as you touched on, Anita, uh, Jean-Luc Vasseur has done no better than Willie Kirk. They've had the same amount of games now, I believe. And that kind of tells you a story. So you, you just have to hope that Vasseur's got got a bigger plan and got something else, extra stuff to bring to this side to get them clicking because the quality of their players means that they should be higher. Although I think I agree, we're probably too much into the season for them to have a real assault on that third place. We'll move on to our final game, Manchester United against Aston Villa. You were there for this when you didn't start Anita for Villa. Manchester United scoring five in this one. And that was thanks to a brace from Ella Toon, Captain Katie Zellum penalty. Hannah Hampton fouled Hayley Ladd in that one. A curling strike from Lucy Staniforth that we saw and a Martha Thomas header. So I think, first of all, from, from your point of view, watching on and being part of the, the Villa squad, what was that like for you to watch? Obviously, you don't want to see your team go 5-0 down. But, but did you feel that Manchester United were deserving of that? Yeah, without a doubt, uh, Manchester United were deserving of the result. Looking at their performance, you know, they were a team that were patient from back to front. They linked up well. Hayley Ladd was, you know, quality in the centre of the park, linking up in the middle. And, you know, they they stretched us. They tried to get overloads on the flanks uh, with Golton and Toon popping up in the pockets. Russo, I thought, had a great game too. And she caused us a lot of problems, picking up the ball, running up, running with pace, breaking lines and and connecting with players. And I think we didn't handle that very well. Um, And I think because they started off so brightly with lots of intensity, lots of rotation, and they got the early goal. It just boosted them even more. I think it gave them even more confidence to do the things that they were comfortable in doing. And we never really then got a foothold in in the game. Straight away when I was watching this one, immediately I was thinking I wouldn't want to be a goalkeeper for this game. (laughs) I mean, the misty weather, it was so misty. It's a wonder that you were able to give us your thoughts from the bench, to be honest, (laughs) because it was so difficult to see. Speak to us about defending, though, at Villa compared to previous clubs, because we know that a lot of the clubs that you've been at before, when they've been competing at the top, it's a different sort of defending, right? You're you're <laughs> there to to set up and get the play moving forward rather than face an onslaught for nearly 90 minutes. What is it like for you having to learn to defend in, in this, you know, do or die fashion? 
yeah, it's, it's been a, a learning curve massively. It, it's been challenging as well. And it's had to, I've had to adjust it, my own attributes as a player and what I'm used to doing. And, you know, a lot more modern defenders now consider themselves ball players, you know, possessing out the back and all of that. So, you know, I'm having to adjust to that element of that kind of do or die element too. And, and you know, backing up your teammate, being more intense and aggressive and in our box, defending, supporting our goalkeeper and our midfielders, you know, in all fairness to Hannah, you know, there's a whole team of players that, Man United had to get through before they even had the opportunity to score. So our team defending can definitely improve, but it, it is it's, it's a very different game. I think you're, it's more transitional, is what I'm finding. You know, right. you're having less of the ball, so you're having to have even more concentration, and the communication level goes up twofold because you're having to you know talk to everyone around you constantly uh, with teams that are moving the ball very effectively, like a Man United. So yeah, that's that's a huge difference I would say from mm. playing at the top to, to playing with teams at the bottom where you have to be even more astute at defending in your box from set pieces you know even more focus in, in, in these situations. With that in mind then making progress at Villa staying in the league does that in some way as a defender because you've got so much more to do I think is that more of an achievement? Yeah I think when it when when we you, we always got to look at the small successes. Every game you you analyse, you're trying to find what improvements we've made or where we could be better. Um, but for me, the off the ball is always complemented with on the ball. So, you know, if we can get better on the ball as a group, our overall defending will allow us to be more aggressive, in my opinion. Because then you're getting into spaces higher up the pitch that are l- less dangerous you know, in and around your own box. You're getting into other players' faces and making it a bit more difficult for them to find the space to find their key players. So I think once we can, you know, improve in those areas, that would definitely impact our defending in a positive way. Really interesting. Let's talk about Manchester United. This is their highest goal count so far this season. Mark Skinner praised his side's counter-press. had quite a high line at points as well. And actually... Uh, If we're looking at the career of Mark Skinner in charge of Manchester United, this is definitely a good point for them, isn't it? They've they've won the last three matches in all competitions and they're starting to look really exciting. And I think when you produce scorelines like this and you've got players like Ella Toon in your side, Lucy Staniforth, you know, players that are going to make a big difference. This then really sort of heats up the race for that third spot in the league, doesn't it, Anita? Most definitely. I think the game they played prior to ours, we were almost like, this isn't the best time to meet Man United because (laughs) they had such a dominant performance against Brighton that you could almost feel that momentum, you know, coming for that side and that they they seemed very confident. But yeah, you know, we knew... I think when Mark came into the league, what, what he offers for his sides and he has a very fluid playing style. He likes his players to to pass and move and, and, and have that kind of rotation in the team. But I definitely think if they continue with this kind of momentum and this kind of confidence and, and finding the key players, bringing out the best in them, you know, Ella Toon has in, been in great form, Alicia Russo, you know, Golton. To be honest, you could name the whole team because I think they've all been... <laughs> yeah very, very good. If they can be consistent, there's no reason why they can't challenge at the top. If you were, which we're not, 
putting a team of the year together. Um, I'm just <laughs> talking talking about team Don't of do the that year. To me, <laughs> so it, it, but that would obviously it would obviously take us pre August as well. So we're we're looking at the latter half of last season too. But would would Ella Toon be in that? Do you think for you? For me, yes, a hundred percent. Because you know it's. It's when you watch her play, it's her constant movement. It's a constant eagerness to get on the ball. She's available for her teammates. She wants to drive the team forward. We know she has great vision, you know, to, to pick out players, but she's hungry to score goals. And, and who doesn't want a player like that on the team? Is she as loud on the pitch as she is off it? I was listening to her post-match uh, interview. She was she was really loud. I just thought, fair play, actually. <laughs> if you're as loud as that on the pitch, I can totally understand why you're producing some of the performances, keeping your team informed. Could you could you hear her on the bench, Anita? Or maybe there was just background noise <laughs> for this post match. I don't know. <laughs> to be fair, I think watching her, just her body language, I could see often that you know there were times where they had the ball a lot and they were in possession, and if she didn't get it, she was frustrated. You know, she's showing her teammates, like, I want it, give it to me. Or, you know, giving them information as to, like, find me the next time. So I think she's very proactive in her communication to, to her mm. teammates, but also in her movement and, and demanding it, you know, which I think for any player, that's what you want from the players around you, I'd players like that want it, the ball. Yeah. yeah. Who's getting third spot for you? Is it Man United? Third spot? Yes, I would have said Man United, personally. I think if they can maintain consistency as I've said but again this league throws spanners in the works all the time uh, with uh, you know the movement that we've seen come January and in the new year I think it could look very different again yeah Manchester United in fourth on 18 points Spurs on 20 points in third just a point behind Chelsea who have a game in hand of course in second on 21 points it's heating up and don't we love to see it You're listening to The Athletic Women's Football Podcast. If you're not yet a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get a third of a subscription right now by heading to theathletic.com forward slash WSL pod. You're listening to The Athletic Women's Football Podcast with me, Kate Borsay, Lindsay Hooper and Aston Villa defender Anita Asante. Chelsea were knocked out of the Champions League on Thursday with a 4-0 loss to Wolfsburg. Uh, the Blues had needed at least a draw, but instead they finished third in their group behind Wolfsburg and Juventus. Arsenal hung on by the skin of their teeth to go through to the quarterfinals. The Gunners lost 4-1 to Hoffenheim, who just missed out on the five-goal margin they needed to go through. So only one English team left in the final eight. Chances Emma Hayes said COVID anxiety played a huge part in that. A few days ago, we had two players struck down with COVID. And we know inevitably when we land tomorrow, there will be positive cases. Our heads are all over the place. We are human beings. The stress, the anxiety, the worry of having to perform in a game when you're thinking, I just want to go home. I haven't seen my family. I've been to an Olympics. Oh, no, another Christmas alone. I'm gutted. I'm gutted for the players because we all know that was nowhere near a team that re represents my team. I've got players being sick in there. They've got diarrhoea. They're exhausted. And maybe some of that mental anxiety plays a part in it. That's really, really difficult to then switch to go and perform. And I wish that we could have. I wish we could have done that better tonight, but we didn't. 
What did you make of those comments, Anita? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think lots of people are probably having similar emotions regarding the pandemic, whether an athlete or generally in society. But ultimately, I mean, Wolfsburg and all the teams in the competitions are also experiencing what everyone is in sport and outside of sport, I think. And they had to show up in the same conditions and they had to, to try and perform and they had to try and win. So whether or not you can attribute a whole performance to, to those things, I'm, I'm not so sure. I think you also got to analyse what you're seeing on the pitch because, you know, these are world-class players that play in top competitions, Olympics, World Cups, European Championships. They understand what it means to play under pressure, but they understand what it means to have your one shot, your one chance to, to play and, and, and go through to the next level and, and try re- and recreate history again for your club. So um, I, I'm not sure you can attribute all of that to, to just COVID anxiety. The hammer blow didn't come against Wolfsburg. It came against Juventus at King's Meadow, that nil-nil draw. And seeing Juventus go through in this group leaves me with a weird feeling because I was at the game against Juventus and they celebrated a nil-nil draw like they had won the Champions League. I'm not joking. The the reaction to it. And you speak to all of them. I, I spoke to the manager and some of the players after the game from, from Juve. And they clearly believe that Chelsea are a better team than they are. Clearly, from the way that they, they were talking. They, they talked about themselves as a team that were growing and that were getting better as the competition went on, but that needed to try and you know stage some sort of fight against a team like Chelsea. That's exactly what they did. But when you look at it and you look at the teams that go through, and if you'd speak to any of them, I genuinely think they think, well, it was Wolfsburg and Chelsea. So you have to remind it back, don't you? And think, well, that was the opportunity missed. When you think about the home form as well, to have not managed to to score against them on that evening, I think that was the beginning of the the end for them in the Champions League. Yeah, 100%, Lindsay. I think, um, like you said, when the groups came out, those are the two top teams everyone was expecting to go through. Everyone knows that home performance is so important. To, to get off to a good run, to, to win at home, allows them to go in with um, a sense of confidence to that final game that, you know what, we don't have to be maybe at our 80%, you know, performance-wise, but we can still get a result because we are good enough as Chelsea. We're a professional team. We can make changes. We can give other people opportunities. But the fact that they had to leave it all out there in the final game because they didn't get it done previously, it... it, it you know, was the undoing of them. And of course, Juventus are going to celebrate like that because wouldn't you against the top side, a team that got to a final of the Champions League the, the previous yeah. year, you're going to, you know, that's a massive achievement for them and a massive milestone. And hopefully an, another lesson that to Chelsea that you can't, obviously the players, you, you can't rest at this level. You know, we're going to miss them in the competition. We obviously wish Arsenal all the best going forward. For the quarterfinals at the end of March, Arsenal have, by some fluke now, drawn Wolfsburg. So they are going to face the team that ultimately, I suppose, knocked <laughs> Chelsea out in that final result. The winner of that match will play the winner of the all-Spanish quarterfinal between Real Madrid and defending champions Barcelona. That's going How to be, good will that one a be? real tantalising <laughs> one, won't it? And on the other side of the draw, Bayern Munich play Paris Saint-Germain and quarterfinal newcomers Juventus under Joe Montemoro face seven-time winners Lyon. 
Well, I saw Beth Mead got given a cushion with Kim Little's face on it for Christmas. Both of you, just a little reminder uh, that we've got a Kim Little exclusive coming out on the 4th of January. I don't know whether there are there's a cushion going the other way. Uh, not sure. But that Kim Little exclusive, if you want some insight on Kim's career, and she says some really fascinating things. Uh, it's out on the 4th of January. Look out for that one. You know why they might have had that present? Because it was really cute. Did you see it on social media as well? That they brought up an old tweet a, a good, good few years ago saying to Kim Little, any chance of a follow back? I'm a Sunderland player. <laughs> and now they play together. So maybe maybe they all know that Beth Mead had a bit of a Kim Little. Um, a bit of a fangirl. Yeah, fangirling <laughs> moment. The draw for the Continental League Cup quarterfinals are also out, so we need to bring you up to speed with that. Those matches at the end of January will be West Ham versus Chelsea, Spurs against Liverpool, Arsenal against Man United, and then there will be one of Charlton, Leicester or Man City going up against Bristol City. In other news, Barclays have signed a new three-year sponsorship deal to 2025, where they'll be putting £30 million into women and girls football. That's double their last investment. Barclays will become the championship title sponsor. They're already, of course, the title sponsor of the WSL and they'll give more support to grassroots football and get more girls playing football in school. Really important. And keeping on the theme of money, Sweden have agreed to equal pay for their men's and women's football teams. A big round of applause from all of us here for that one. I don't know what yes, good in Swedish is, but I'll give you the German. Ja, gut. <laughs> ja, gut. Oh, in fact, Anita, we should ask you. Oh, because you yes, it's Rosenberg. Come on. Yeah, jättebra. They're jättebra. <laughs> there you good. go. There you That's go. A, uh, we should a... also give a huge shout out to Jem Beatty, who won the Helen Rollison Award at the BBC Sports Personality of the Year. Jem was diagnosed with breast cancer in October 2020. She carried on playing for Arsenal and Scotland. She dealt with all of that in lockdown where she couldn't even see her family. She's now, we're very happy to say, cancer free, using her platform as well to encourage people to get checked if they feel a lump or bump. So a huge congratulations to her. I did a sit down for Sky Sports and had a chat with her about it. She still wells up about the overwhelming support she got from the rest of women's football, Anita. And you may remember those scenes where Man City, a former club, had her name on the back of the shirt. And it's those moments that we should really treasure in this sport, aren't they? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, Jen is a fantastic player and person. And I think just her sharing her story and being vulnerable like that was was a beautiful thing to see and to see the whole sort of football community come together to show solidarity and support is is what the women's game has always been about and has continued mm. to be so um no it's great to to hear that she is cancer free and it's obviously great that she's back on the pitch playing and continuing to inspire and and use her platform to 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 support others Moments of the Women's Super League with Now. Watch the big moments from the WSL Live with a Now Sports membership. Well, now that the first part of the season is over and everyone's going off for Christmas, we've got a chance to look back and reflect. Let's pick our moments of the WSL so far with Now. Kate, what Christmas cracker have you picked? Well, gosh, Christmas felt like ages away in this opening game of the season. Arsenal versus Chelsea. Arsenal getting the better of Chelsea, of course. They sprung a surprise on the opening weekend. My moment, though, was Beth Mead getting on the score sheet and showing us just how she's changed this season, how she's managed to find her scoring boots. She added two after an opener from Viv Miedemar. The first lashed him from a really tight angle and it just set 
the record, set the agenda, I think, for Beth Mead, who's enjoyed a strong season so far. She's, you know, perhaps wavered a little bit, but I think if she can return back to that very convincing form at the start of the season, she could be heading right up the goal scoring charts. I've gone for a new star of WSL and I think Frieda Marnham has got to be one of the bargain buys of the season for Arsenal. I've gone for her strike against Everton on October the 10th, but to be honest, I could go with more. She had a couple of headers in the last game I was at when she was performing well coming off the bench against Leicester. And she was someone I didn't know too much about before she joined the league, I have to admit. But I think she's been fantastic addition. Anita, what would yours be? I think, was it Boa scored a, a goal for Man yes. United? Yeah, last her, week. Yeah. Last week. Yeah, I thought her finish, her timing and, and her overall game. She had a great influential game and lots of people had been saying, you know, she's a quality player, but we hadn't seen it really that much. So I, I'd probably go for her and just Man United's ascension in the, in the, in the league this season. We're looking ahead to the new year. Let's see who we think will be slaying come the end of the season. Loving these Christmas puns, by the way. Thanks very much to producer Sophie. (laughs) It's time for our 12 teams of Christmas. We've got to rank the teams from 12 to 1 in terms of where we think they're going to finish at the end of the season, given how they've performed so far. So let's figure out who we'll be putting where. We'll break it down into bottom, middle and top of the table. So starting at the bottom, Leicester... Or Birmingham, I think, for bottom spot. Do you agree? I'm going Birmingham. Okay, I'm going Anita? Birmingham as well. I, I think. think I agree with you. So Birmingham in 12th. It's got um, nothing to do with the Villa Birmingham rival either. Oh, you just get that in there, Anita. Quick. Of course it quick. Hasn't. Um, <laughs> should we talk about uh, 11th? I think that will be Leicester, but I, I think they're changing over and that's why I think Leicester sort of going on the up, Birmingham are coming down a bit. I think Villa, to be honest, and it's difficult to get Anita to comment on her own team, but I think you'll sort of, I think you'll continue as you were for the first half. I don't think there'll be rapid improvements compared to the first half of the season. So I think you'll accrue about the same amount of points. Yeah, I think Villa in 10th as well, Linz. I think there's probably too much for Leicester to do to catch Villa. And I also think when you look at the teams around Villa as well, Everton and Reading, there might be a slight place swap with Everton, although they've got such good players. They 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 should be doing better. Well, I'm going... So if, if we've got Birmingham, Leicester, Villa, I'm then going... Reading, West Ham, Everton. So I think Everton move up to about seventh. This is so difficult. Anita, what do you think? So position nine, eight and seven. Everton, Reading, West Ham at the moment. I think Reading will go above West Ham. I think West Ham will go to ninth and I think Everton will come up to eighth. Okay. And you're sticking with Reading at seventh? Yes, Okay. Yeah, so I think I agree with you, Anita. West Ham 9, Everton 8, Reading 7. So a bit of chopping and changing going on there. I'm then going to say that Brighton are going to fall down another place. They're fifth at the moment. I think they're going to go to sixth. I think Man City will move above them, then Spurs, then Man United in third. Chelsea Arsenal as it is. I think Arsenal win the league. Oh, yeah, I'd- I'm probably inclined to agree with you. Anita, have you got anything different? No, that was the order I was going to go with, actually. Oh. Man United. So we're basically assuming now that Man City just have to have a better second half of the season, don't they? 
They just have to. Yeah, I think I think once they start getting some players back into the side, it could look very different for everyone. You know, obviously they're still a strong outfit, so I wouldn't rule them out. There we go. So Brighton in sixth, Manchester City in fifth, Tottenham fourth, Man United in third. I mean, that's great for Manchester rivalry, isn't it? And then Chelsea and Arsenal. Who did I say was going to win the league at the beginning of the season, Lynn? Oh, yeah, it was Arsenal, wasn't it? Yeah, you did. It could still change. It could still change. Right, let's do it then. We're going to do our 12 teams of Christmas. Yes, it's not over. It's Christmas. From the 12 teams of Christmas, the league table will be 12 Birmingham City. 11 Leicester City. 10th Aston Villa. 9 West Ham. (laughs) 8 Everton. Seventh Reading. Six Brighton. Five Manchester City. Four Tottenham. Three Man United. Two Chelsea. And an and and an Arsenal victory. Goodness, anyone would have thought we'd hit the Christmas wine already. That's the beauty of trying to navigate a delay when doing things via video. That's the world of lockdown. Yeah, well, we hope you enjoyed that, listeners. Anita Rosante making making her chart debut with us here <laughs> on uh, the Athletic Women's <laughs> Football Podcast. The single will be out imminently. Yeah. Um, mind you, it'd probably be better than Christmas number one if it's going to be what we think it is. What, the sausage rolls? Yes, I mean, sausage rolls, oh, but come on. It- at least it raised money for charity. Um, do send us over your 12 teams of Christmas on social media. If you fancy singing, get those videos sent over. Put us all to shame at The Athletic UK and at Offside Rule Pod. That's all we have time for on this week's Athletic Women's Football Podcast. As we said, at The Athletic UK, you can give us a follow at Offside Rule Pod as well. Don't forget to download, rate and subscribe, Kate. Yes, a big thank you to Anita. Anita, have a wonderful Christmas and a great new year and a well-deserved rest. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you, Kate. And I hope you guys have a lovely Christmas too and a new year. Yes, have a great one. We shall see you in the new year. Looking bright and sparkly. Bit of leftover glitter from Christmas, maybe. Next time we see you. Yeah, Yeah, why not? Uh, We'll be back on January the 4th uh, with that Kim Little exclusive. We urge you to listen to that over the Christmas period. But until the new year, stay safe, stay well and happy new year. We'll see you in 2022. The Athletic Women's Football Podcast is proudly partnered with Now. With a Now Sports membership, you can watch the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live. Find out more at nowtv.com. The Athletic.